Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Yeah, this is the football show and we are brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. It's Mick and Ronan in the studio here and we're delighted to be joined by former Ireland international David Connolly. David, how are you? Good evening, lads. Very well, you? Not too bad now, not too bad. Uh, it's a good good night for Ireland tonight with the, the women's team qualifying for the playoffs of the World Cup. But yeah, I know you've been keeping an eye on um, everything in the transfer deadline day. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But you've also been watching uh, Leicester and United. There's yeah. about... What, 15 minutes, 10 minutes to go here? It looks like United are going to hang on. Leicester's, uh, I suppose, early pressure in the second half has kind of uh, um, eased somewhat. Have yeah. you been in any way impressed by United? Um, look, I think that um, they're up against a Leicester side who, you know, you can tell are in a... Uh, they're, they're low in confidence, you know. I mean, if you look at the goal, they're going to make a change now. It looks like Ian Acho's coming on. But, um, you know, even for the goal, they could have kind of played out a little bit Leicester, but they just bang the ball long, you know, caught out of position. Fair play. Rashford did really well, I think, to put it on a plate uh, for Sancho, who, who finished well. But I think they're up against a Leicester side who are really low. You know, they've probably played them, you know, at, at a good time. And, um, you know, it looks like they've got the job done. They look pretty comfortable, to be honest, United. We'll get back to you now, but are you surprised with what you're seeing with Leicester this season? It's like, uh, you're, you're saying they're very low. It's, you know, Tielman's gone off there and looks like he will he will stay with them. But obviously Fafana is off. It doesn't look like there's much coming in. And, you know, I see Brendan Rodgers in interviews and I feel like he's just kind of at the end of his tether a little bit. Like, he's like, what can I do at this stage? You yeah. Know? Well, it's, do you know what? Um, the the programme notes today, I saw the programme notes and, uh, you know, the uh, the chairman has been has been talking about the situation they find him in. Because to be honest, right, everyone is saying how great Brighton are at the minute. But Leicester, Leicester were Brighton for a long time, right? You look at the, the players Brighton have sold you know, your Ben White, your Kukureas, your Basumas, and they keep going and they're still doing well. Leicester were like that, right? They had to sell every crown jewel every year. And, you know, that was their model. And I, I don't think they've become a bad team overnight, but they just, they look aging a little bit. They look like they need some fresh faces, but apparently the money's not there. They're so reliant on actually selling players before bringing any others in. So, I'd just be mindful of not being too harsh on them because, as I said, you know, they were the model when everyone tried to copy them and now Brighton are, are you know, kind of doing brilliantly. But I think Leicester will come good again, but it's not going to happen this window and it probably won't happen the next window. So they might be in for, you know, a difficult few months because they do, do look low in confidence. And I think Brendan Rodgers was making the point that almost accepting the reality that there's players on the pitch tonight that didn't expect to still be there. James Madison, I think, had three bids turned down for a potential move to Newcastle. Jamie Vardy yeah. only signed his new contract very recently. And Yuri Tielemans is well documented, seems to be running down his contract and will be out of there this yeah. time next season. I just wonder, in terms of squad harmony, to have players like that who were not agitating for a move but looking likely to leave and are still there, now have to take the field and you're relying on them. It must be a strange yeah. dynamic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, Fafana looked like he wanted to go, but, you know, he's come out and he wasn't too happy with what Roger said. I mean, I was at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. I worked on the game. And a lot of the Leicester staff were the same staff that were there 20 years ago when I was there. And, you know, you hear bits and pieces and, you know, I don't think they're that far away, but make no mistake, you know, the likes of Cashbush Michael 
would have stayed because I believe he he kind of went for the same money on three years, but apparently Leicester couldn't give him that money, you know. So they kind of they are in that situation where you know they can't lose everyone. They can't lose Madison and Tielemans, but they probably lose Tielemans next year. I think he's a top player. I'm surprised, you know, Liverpool haven't bid for him. I'm surprised a club like that. I mean, I think his passing range is absolutely outstanding. You know, even a United, I think he could absolutely play for one of those clubs. But they can't lose everyone, but they're probably going to lose, you know, they lost Fofana, they'll keep Madison. They'll probably lose Tielemans, but they're going to need some extra, that's for sure. Yeah. On United, David, then, like, you know, as I said, as you said, they are playing Leicester and we do have to kind of take that for what it is. But, you know, after that Liverpool performance, which was like weirdly after only two games, a huge, huge day in the era of Eric Ten Hag, to follow it up with two wins, even if both are scrappy, and again they haven't won this match yet, but if they do hold on, two kind of scrappy wins, two mediocre performances. But if you contrast that to what we did see on the first two days of the season, which was a rabble, you also have an unchanged side tonight, which I found interesting when we saw it at eight o'clock. Because, you know, this is, it might not be the team that we end up with at the end of the season, but it's Eric Ten Hag's first team at United. It seems to be what he settled on here. Like, there are yeah, signs exactly. for United yeah. fans. You'd be very positive after these games. Yeah, they are. Do you know what? I I heard the odds, right, after the first week or two, and there was something like 5-1 to one to finish in the top 10. I mean, you people should have been biting that bet off. You know, not that I'm uh, kind of uh, condoning anything, but... You know, to finish in the top 10, I mean, that's a 20% return. That's a guaranteed. There's no way they were going to stay down there. One, with the players they were going to add. Two, the squad they've got. And three, once he's got time to work with them. You know, what he did do against Southampton and, and um, uh, started at Liverpool was he didn't risk playing out. You know, he didn't risk the ball in terms of trying to play out from the back with the two centre-halves receiving inside the box and... So many times, if you can recall, when they'd be doing that last season and it would just be a disaster. And I think he tried to play the beautiful game, but against Liverpool, he was like, no, we're not going to risk it in these areas. And they did scrap out. It looks like they've scrapped out now a couple of good victories, you know, and uh, there's sort of uh, this time and a place to go and play and they're probably getting to that place. They've got Arsenal next, which will be another challenge, you know, another different harder definitely a harder challenge because Southampton okay at times they look good but at other times I've seen them be really really bad and Leicester are in this sort of thingy but take, make no mistake you know Liverpool they've got nine really good points by the looks of it now and then it's just the Arsenal one would be the next acid test and how they approach that game I'd, I'd play it basically exactly like like the Liverpool one you know not be risking the ball in dangerous areas and be trying to play in you know, in the opposition's half and play from there. Yeah, like one omission, one notable omission from since that hard reset after the Brentford game is Harry Maguire, who hasn't featured against Liverpool, Southampton or against his old club Leicester tonight. And you cast your mind back to the dying embers of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer reign where Leicester destroyed Man United last year and a, a rather unfit Harry Maguire was, was targeted almost against his old club. So... You wonder, it, it, there was never any threat of him leaving in this transfer win or anything like that, but how does he screw his head on for the rest of the season, David, yeah. knowing that he's unlikely to feature in any of these first-choice 11s? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult, you're right, because, I mean, Martinez, uh, you know, you see him, forget his size, but his ball-playing ability, and normally he'll be up against, you know, uh, there's 
there's a few giant centre forwards, but you know when he's got the ball at his feet and he's bringing it out from the back, he gives him that balance playing as a left side centre back, which normally you know Harry Maguire would be playing that one, and even Malasia alongside him is I think slotted in really mm. really well. Yeah. So he's made some he's made some big calls, you know, in terms of that part of the pitch because you know Maguire and Luke Shaw would be the kind of favour two for a while. So he's made he's made big calls in in terms of disrupting that. Um, but he's got two, he's got nice balance. You know, there's real nice balance with those two on that left-hand side of the pitch. And I think it's going to be difficult for, for Harry Maguire because I, I can't see him getting in anytime soon unless he changes formation and, and, and maybe plays a back three. But, uh, uh, you know, I think they, they tried that and it didn't work. I, I'm not too sure that's going to work for United going forward as well. Yeah, I saw somebody describe it as like ripping off a plaster, uh, kind of taking, like once you made that decision, the decision stays made, you know? As yeah, you, exactly. As, yeah. as United go close. So last thing on this then, uh, Dave, before we talk about some of the transfers, one transfer that has obviously gone through today, as expected, is Anthony has confirmed uh, that deal. So I'm just thinking there tonight, like may, maybe it's a bit early for Alanga in terms of like starting lineup and, you know, he does kind of fit nicely in there, doesn't he, in, in that position with Sancho and, yeah. and Rashford. Suddenly that front tree looks a little bit more vital, I suppose. Yeah, and I guess, look, what are we looking at? We're probably looking at highlights. Everyone looks at the same sort of bits and pieces from Anthony. And you don't want to draw comparisons, but when they signed Ronaldo, you know, everyone thought he was a bit of a, you know, a step-over merchant or a skill merchant and then, you know, doubted his end product. Well, Anthony looks like that from the clips, right? I mean, we just don't know how he's going to develop. He's only 22 or whatever. He's probably a little bit older than Ronaldo was when he first went to United. But nonetheless, I just, it's, it's got kind of reminds me of that where they're signing someone who, you know, looks really, really talented, very skillful, tries the audacious, looks really confident. And that's the sort of player they need. Someone who, who basically, will 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 have the balls to go and play at Old Trafford and not mind if he makes a mistake and has got that confidence, you know? So many players got at United and, you know, Dan James springs to mind and he says, oh, I went to United as one player and in the end, you know, I stopped being the player that got me there. Well, I, I don't think Anthony's going to be like that. He looks a really confident lad, believes in himself, very skillful and, and like Ronaldo was, I think, first time around. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see, right? I mean... Mm. We just don't know. But I think not just ability, it's the personality and the character to play at United because, you know, it, it, it demands so much of you, not just your, your ability, but, you know, get, receiving the ball when maybe things aren't going your way. And Anthony looks like he's got that confidence no matter what. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on anything that happens over the last few minutes of this and we'll let you know as uh, Ronaldo had a chance there a few minutes ago that was I didn't even mean to I kind of laughed uh, kind of inadvertently as he kicked it out for a throw he certainly just doesn't look like Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment Fred is about to come on shut up shop even more for United as we uh, go towards the end of that game David if you don't mind uh, you might stay with us for a couple of minutes we just have a quick break to take and then we'll talk about some of the transfers from today off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we know. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. 
football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports yeah three minutes left at the King Power it's still Leicester nil Manchester United won earlier tonight the Republic of Ireland qualified at least for a uh, or for qualified for a playoff for the World Cup with a 1-0 win over Finland uh, in Tala uh David Connolly is still with us here on the football show. Uh, we were talking about Manchester United and Leicester. Uh, we're done about de- transfer deadline day, though, David, because um, it's always a busy, busy day. Uh, have, were you ever uh, were you ever involved in yeah. transfer deadline day? Yeah, I had a few moves on uh, on on deadline day. So uh, yeah, it can be you know sort of uh, left to the last minute. I'm just reading here that maybe you know Depay was considered maybe going to Chelsea, but whether they've left that too late, you know, they've also got Aubameyang, obviously, from, from Barca, whether they're trying to get Memphis to pie as well. I think that'd be a great signing for them, but I think they might have left it too late. So, yes, yeah, so a couple of moves, late doors, but, um, and, it, and it can be, yeah, it can be exciting. I mean, they've certainly spent a lot of money, right, this window. I mean, I was looking, they, they, they reckon in Spain they've spent 55 million euros in this window in Spain. And I think mm. the Premier League have spent one point something billion euros. That's amazing. It's really, it's really crazy how far it's gone. Um, just yeah, just looking at through through a couple of Arthur Mello to Liverpool looks like that's filling a gap that they needed. Um, Bamiyang, as you mentioned, Sakaria also to Chelsea. Uh, Brighton bringing in Billy Gilmore. We were speaking about earlier on is interesting. Forest yeah. a load of players there, including uh, Willie Bowie, Batshuayi, uh, Villa brought in Den Donker and look like they're going to bring in Bednarak as well. Um, Akanji to City, uh, Idris Gay going back to Everton, along with James yeah. Garner from Manchester United. Fulham with an uh, interesting day as well. Willian probably headlining it from them. Southampton have brought in a couple. Um, it, like it's, it's quite busy for, for deadline day. As a player, though, David, like... <sighs> You know, you do have a say in it. It's not like in the American sports, or the, you know, in the trade deadline where you just suddenly... You, uh, you wake up and you're, uh, you know been shipped off to Denver or whatever and you've no say in the matter but you kind of I'd imagine don't you know you the writing's on the wall you kind of do what is it like kind of like four or five games into a season you've done pre-season and suddenly you're you're shipped off or you it, it might work the other way as well you're going off to a better situation yeah I think it can it can obviously work a few ways because I guess by the end of last season as well a lot of players would know where they might be in the manager's thoughts if you're at a certain club and they bring in a lot of players, you know, suddenly your position is compromised. You know, we, we, you know, we can we look at the game we're watching tonight. You know, you can see that contrasting two teams, right? United have got Ronaldo on the bench, Maguire on the bench. It looks like they're because of new signings. Leicester, they've probably got players playing. And the good players have kind of left the club now and it's up to the others to pick up the baton, you know. So, I mean, some of the moves are interesting. I think the Liverpool one for Melo is... is is one of them because obviously the injuries they got at the back and whether, you know, the, the, the kind of position that, that say Arsenal have put themselves in, Man City, Tottenham have put themselves in, um, you know, for Liverpool maybe to keep the powder dry and not, not go and maybe get some with all their injuries. You just think they might have had someone, you know, like I would have thought someone like a Tielemans, you know, or, or I don't know, even a Wijnaldum to bring back or, or somebody like that. I'm surprised. But anyway, um, Mello looks like you know I don't think he's played that much this season but obviously played a little bit last season um, but I think they certainly needed 
you know, someone through the door. And then the, the kind of polar opposite is Liverpool, barely anyone. And then Forrest with sort of 20 signings, you know, it's, it's quite incredible. But they've probably given themselves a real good chance of staying up, you know, by, by actually going, not doing a Norwich and, and kind of, you know, keeping their money in the bank and, and accepting that they'll give it a go, but probably go down. Forrest are like, now nah, we're, we're going to actually go try and stay in this league. And it puts those clubs like Leicester and Villa and, and Wolves, you know, those clubs that have been up there established for a number of seasons now. Everton puts them under real pressure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with the Liverpool one in particular. Klopp has done this in a few times during his Liverpool stint, whereby it seems like he's bent over a barrel and has to dip into the transfer window. You'll remember when they were decimated at the back and the fans were crying out for a signing at centre-back and he ended up getting a couple of loans in. Uh, Ozan Kabak as well like almost thinking I'm going to go for my main target in the summer and ended up getting Kanate and Van Dijk came back etc and it's similar here you get the impression there's a long term target in mind that they're getting Arthur in as a temporary measure with a view to maybe a Jude Bellingham next summer or a Declan Rice but they're yeah. it's a bit tricky like Liverpool I'm not saying they're not guaranteed top four but they you know there's a there's a lot of teams lurking around there if they did have a dip in form they're taking a little bit of a chance here, not reinforcing them a bit stronger. Yeah, the only the only thing is they might look at even a Man City, right? You look at Man City's bench at the minute, and there's probably, you know, there's three or four world class players, and 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 then after that, it's a pretty small. Mm. They got a few, a few, a lot of the youngsters on it, you know, and yeah. and and that's probably as well. I think both managers like to have a fairly tight squad. One, you know, you're balancing big egos, big money. Big, big salaries, keeping players happy. You, you know, you, you see Liverpool kind of with the, the mix of a lot of youngsters. Now, those youngsters will be, you know, e- easier to manage. Like Mikel Arteta, you know, he might get rid of a few players and you just wonder whether he can manage the big ego players because, he, he, you know, he seems to prefer the, young, the younger players. You know, Jurgen Klopp likes that mix. He does, he does have a lot of the youngsters, you know, but maybe... You know, if you've got a couple of bigger players who might be on the bench, it might be a bit of an issue. So I think there is that balance that he doesn't want to, you know, bring someone in if they're not going to be happy, if they're not, you know, not starting. And also he's got the likes of Jota to come back in, right? He has got other players. But, yeah, you're right. It could be a Bellingham. It could be somebody like that. They're going to, you know, sort of keep their money in their pocket until then. But by, you know, by the summer, you know, Man City might have, you know, by sort of, I don't know, April, Man City might have run away with a league by then. I don't know. And you mentioned the Nottingham Forest situation, which feels kind of unprecedented, the the raft of players they've come in after those who would have seen them in the Championship, like Cooper had built a nice, tight-knit squad and you got the impression they might go at what they had, but they've they've gone the opposite direction and trying to integrate this new group of players in with that existing playing staff I just wonder from your perspective what is that like when you just when you're introducing yourself to new players every day in training or every day in the dressing rooms like hi I'm David who are you kind of thing yeah. must be interesting yeah. yeah exactly and obviously there's another peg you know someone has a new peg beside <laughs> you or someone who was beside you has been shifted into the sort of reserve uh, dressing room and is no longer there um, you know it, it gives you that sense though that the club might be going places or giving it a really good go to stay in the league and Look, there's a couple of ways because when Fulham went up a few years ago, the manager then at the time, Scott Parker, sort of gave the players who got up an opportunity. He, 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 you know, gave them a chance to go and play. And actually, the results, you know, the gap was big and 
the results weren't great. And in the end, he had to go and get a team full of low knees in January. And you don't want that. And, and I think for, for Steve, although Fulham gave it a go, I think for Steve Cooper now, getting your business done in the summer and having this period to try and integrate them and get, you know, and get them all settled in and make the, the squad stronger, I'd much rather have it that way and permanent signings. You know, a couple of loans is fine, but I think in the main, you want permanent signings because otherwise it's too much of a transient feel around the club that people don't know if this is going to work out or not. Whereas you go in on a permanent, it's like, no, no, this club's going for it. You know, and he's on a two-year deal, he's on a three-year deal, he's on a four-year deal, you know. And it's a different it's different mentality that you, you, you suddenly have if there's permanent signings. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out there, I think. But I think a lot of the teams, like, again, it's a, I feel like it's a busier deadline day than normal after a busier transfer window. So there's going to be lots to see how it works over the next couple of weeks and months. But, David, thanks a million for joining us tonight. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Thanks a million to David Connolly there, former Republic of Ireland International. It's finished at the King Power Stadium. Manchester United have won 1-0. Three wins in a row, fifth in the table, Ronan. Yeah. Higher than they finished last season. This is true. Crisis, what crisis? It's funny, like we were alluding to the fact that they might have been hanging on a touch, trying to see it out, and it very much seemed to be the case there, like save for a couple of Ronaldo half chances, quarter chances. Yeah. Like Leicester were... They did stem the tide a little bit though. Leicester were in the game, but they weren't creating the chances like they were at the start of the second half. But yeah, again, a scrappy enough win, but three wins in a row, you'll take it and an away win. But Leicester... Bottom of the table, mm. twenty one point from five games. Uh, <laughs> only, only uh, Aston Villa and Wolves and Leicester is the relegation zone know. at the moment with Everton ahead of them. It's uh, I know it's very early in the season. Yeah, we probably don't have time to explore it tonight. But if I was Brendan Rodgers, he'd be well within his rights to just wipe his hands and say, "I'm done with this." Like, yeah, what do you expect him to do with this? And with not to preempt anything, Mick, but the Aston Villa job might become available. And, <laughs> yeah, um, you go from 20 to 19. I think he wouldn't mind taking over from maybe, Stephen Maybe, maybe. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.